you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you. Turn it off. Yeah, good. Praise God. We are into the third, actually, I think the fourth lesson of this series um, on profiles of salvation, things that I, I know there's not th many things that are being said here that you haven't heard before, um, that type of thing, but things that we need to remind ourselves of and, um, and allow God to put deeper and deeper and deeper into our hearts in Jesus' name. And so hopefully this will be another lesson um, that will be similar to that. We're going to talk about you must be born again which is um, one of the, it is a very controversial subject from the standpoint of what does that mean. And, of course, when we look at the, uh, um, uh, the scripture, the inaugural scripture, scriptures that brought this out, we can see that even a very religious person had problems with um, understanding what Jesus was meaning. Um, you know, the scripture says that I has not seen, neither ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of a person the things that God has in store for them that love him. That's what it says. It says that you and I are kind of off a little bit when it comes to that. But the Bible says that God, in his own volition or his own free will, has decided to share them with us or to reveal them to us through his spirit, his spirit. And that's why a lot of times there is so much controversies because we try to understand a lot of things of God through other uh, uh, areas. And um, the human spirit is very, very capable of a lot of things, but it is not even, doesn't even compare to the spirit of God. And, um, and, and one of the, uh, the things that God does for us through the born-again experience is he regenerates the human spirit. That's what makes it really um, able to obtain the things of God. And so I thank God for that. I really do. Um, uh, I, I've done a fair bit of reflecting here the last couple of days because of this lesson. I was thinking, you know, uh, of my own personal uh, experience when I was born again, when I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Um, I didn't even come close to understanding uh, all or most of what was going on. But I had known something was happening. And there were things that were activated in my life that, for whatever reason, were not able to be activated prior to that. And what I mean by that is an awareness, an awareness of things around me, some of the things that I was involved in, the behaviors and things like that. And God, and God almost immediately began to deal with me about certain areas of my life that needed to change. And um, uh, not that I was aware of it, but I think in times past, I just had a hard time uh, uh, conjuring up the idea of how is this going to happen. But God helped me through his spirit to, re to, to recall that um, that not by might, not by power, but by his spirit, these things would happen. And so God began to do a work on me. And so hopefully um, most of you in this room here have experienced that, that there's something going on. And um, one of the things I would recommend tonight is that we don't resist them. We welcome them, things like that, first time changes. Listen to this story. This is kind of what we're, what we're talking about here, that sometimes God makes adjustments in our life and it makes all the difference in the world just by him doing that, just making a few adjustments. It just seems like, wow, I wasn't even aware that that was happening, you know, or that that could even happen. Uh, in 1954, first-time parents John and Angelia brought their infant daughter a miniature toy piano. And um, a third-generation piano teacher, Angelia, 
was determined that her daughter would carry on the family legacy of pianist. At three years of age, their little girl began taking piano lessons from their grandmother and quickly mastered the art of reading music before she could even read English. And amazing. The plan seemed perfect and progressed splendidly, and at age 15, the young uh, pianist entered the University of Denver as a music major. And at 17, she was accepted into a highly competitive summer music program in Aspen that plunged her already intensive studies into even stricter focus. Yet somehow, the gifted student began to feel something was amiss. And as she worked with piano prodigies and genius instructors, slowly she realized with acute pain that her feet were headed down the wrong path. Well, in the, most, in the most difficult conversation of her young life, the college student sat down with her proud parents and broke the traumatic news that she could no longer be a music major. The family reeled, her parents shattered by the wreck, wrecked plans and their daughter overwhelmed by a lost sense of identity and grappling with a new sentiment of purposelessness. Amid this sea of uncertainty, the former pianist entered a class in international politics. And immediately she was captured by the sense of belonging. This world felt like home. Well, the professor took an interest and began to mentor the journey. And so it was that in abandoning one life, Condoleezza Rice began a new one. And most of us in this room, we know who we're talking about there. Yeah. Through one change of life direction, the would-be piano teacher became a world leader who helped navigate the fall of the Berlin Wall and the collapse of the Twin Towers. Her decision that seemed at the time an abandonment of one life gave way to a new life that had ripple effects around the entire globe. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, sadly many people, now let's reel it in to us, many people miss their purpose and cope with lifelong regrets because they refuse to abandon their old life. Yeah, and embrace the new one. See, it's a twofold thing. God doesn't take anything away from us that he doesn't replace with something better. Can you say amen? Yeah, while such regrets are disappointing in the natural reluctance to release the old and embrace the new life in Jesus Christ, or, or to, to embrace new life in Jesus Christ is of eternal significance we must address. The resounding message of Scripture is that surrender to God erases the past as he gives us new life rich with hope and promise. Why do you think it's so hard for people to leave their old past behind? Just think about that. Why do you think that's so hard? Yeah, it's, I don't think that's a soup can question. I think that's got a lot of, a lot of thinking you know, but that's what I, that's what caused me myself personally in my own personal life to reflect a little bit this week. What happened? What was going on? And of course, you know, there was a lot of things I couldn't, I couldn't explain, you know, um, some things I could, but there were other things that I just couldn't. There was something that God was taking out of my life and he was replacing with something else. And I believe that's what it is. Let me give you some scripture. This isn't in your script today, but I, I just thought of this scripture here in 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. Chapter number 4, Paul is talking about some of the trials and the tri tribulations that he went through and, and even mentions, I think, um, you know, at one place he says, our light affliction for the moment. That's what he talks about. 
And obviously, anybody who lives godly is going to suffer persecution. That's what the Bible mandates. You, you can't avoid it. There's pressure that will come because you decide to be a Christian. That's just how it works. And it's not overwhelming um, uh, tribulation, but it is pressure. And hopefully with the help of the Lord and, and, um, and with a viable born-again experience, you can make it through that and you can rise above that. Listen to what the scripture says here, and I'm just taking a portion of 2 Corinthians 5, and I'm going to start reading in verse number 14, Jeremy, if you don't mind. It says, for the love of Christ, everybody say his love. His love. Never forget that. Constraineth us. It, key, it holds on to us. It keeps us back from some things. Never, never, never. Uh, uh, I hope that every one of you will realize that. It says, why? Because we thus judge that if one died for all, then all were dead. All of us were dead in sin, lost. That's just the way it equates. That wasn't your fault, by the way, but that's the life that you were born into. Okay? Then it says, the good news is, in verse 15, and that he died for all. Can you say amen? amen? That they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves. That's what was happening to me. All of a sudden, it wasn't all about me. Wow, what a revelation. What a door that got opened. You know, because of the love of God. That's what does that. And the scripture says, you know, that they should, should not henceforth live unto themselves, but it says, unto him which died for them and rose again. That's what the born-again experience is designed to take us into, is into that realm. And then it says, wherefore, henceforth know we no man after the flesh, yea, though we have known Christ, in verse 16, after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Therefore, if any person or any man, it says in the King James Version, it says, be in Christ, he is a new creature, old things are passed away, and behold, how many things? All. Yeah, that's what's supposed to happen. And this is why resisting and sometimes, you know, trying to get to a place where we want to figure it all out, I mean, it can really begin to lend itself for us missing some of these things. Like this woman here. Yeah, I mean, her parents wanted her to be a great piano player. Well, I don't think that's a bad idea, and she certainly had the talent. I actually heard her play. She is quite an accomplished musician. There's no question about it. But God, you know, her life had a greater purpose. And this is, in, in some ways, every one of us sitting in this room, those of you that are online tonight, many of you who are sick, and we pray for you that God will heal you in Jesus' name. But all of us, praise God, are in that boat. Amen. God is wanting to put us into a place where our life is going to mean something, not just going through the motions. And so that's why he says, if any person be in Christ, he is a new creature. That's what being born again is all about. It's not about competing with, with some other rendition of this. It's a new creature. And the Bible says in verse 18, when we become all, or when all things become new, in verse 18 it says, and all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. There it is in a nutshell. That's what God wants us to become, you know. And so, you know, the word used here is ambassadors. That's what it is. 
And so tonight, hopefully with a little bit of time here, we'll look at two sets of scriptures here that, that talk about the born-again experience because that is so significant. It really is. That's when it, where it all begins, praise God, is us being born again of the water and of the Spirit, praise God. And of course, you know, in your devotionals this week, you know, it was, it was highlighting the conversation that was between Jesus and Nicodemus. And you think about it, Nicodemus was a religious man. He, he was, you know, I, I would hope that he was doing the best that he could. He was trying to, to, to make sense of some things. But along comes this Jesus and upsets every apple cart that's in Jerusalem. I mean, literally, that's what he does. He begins healing the sick. I mean, things begin to happen. And that conversation that Jesus had with, with Nicodemus supports this fact that even in, in the midst of some of the enemies that Jesus had in, in the Sanhedrin, those people could not deny that what Jesus was doing was real. These people were healed. These things were happening, praise God. And so think about that. As we go through this, these scriptures tonight, think about your own experience. Think about what God has done. What kind of things have changed in your life that you know for sure, praise God, that God began to deal with after you got filled with his spirit. And I mean to tell you, you know, maybe some of this can begin to come, rise to the surface again. And we can begin to take a hold of it in the name of Jesus. Look at the scriptures, John chapter number 3. John chapter number 3. This is where Jesus meets Nicodemus. You know, this is where Nicodemus had some questions and questions in, uh, uh, in a lot of ways are not bad. I mean, a lot of times questions will reflect where the heart is at. People ask things. That's why sometimes I, I'm trying to make more of a practice of listening to people, you know, and not, uh, not trying to figure out what my next response is. But listening to them. What are they saying? What's going on in that mind of theirs? And then with the help and the direction of God, sometimes you can center in on what's, what's going on and you can help them. Bible says in verse number 1, chapter 3 of John, it says there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. So this is a real deal. This is not something somebody's making up. It says a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these things, you know, that thou doest except God be with him. So we understand that the works themselves were displaying things that they could not, they could not uh, um, uh, explain away, although they did try. I think in the Gospel of Luke at one time, uh, or one point, they said, well, you're doing these things because you're hooked up with the devil. And, of course, they were getting very close to blaspheming what God was doing there. I, I, I don't know for sure, but, I, I mean, Jesus referred to that, and we have to be careful with that, you know. Well, the Bible says um, in Jesus' response to this, and I know, again, I'm not telling you stuff that you don't already know. This is stuff that you and I hopefully are familiar with and have already at least once, if not twice, shared with somebody, okay? Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, or of a truth, he says, I say unto thee, except a man, it says, be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. What a startling statement for somebody who just gave you a compliment. And that's really, I, in my opinion, that's what I see. Not Nicodemus is trying to compliment Jesus. Whoa, you're, you know, this, you're pretty powerful here. You're doing some pretty good stuff. And Jesus just kind of, kind of sidesteps that and gets right to what I consider the crux of the matter. And realistically, this is the crux of the matter, folks. It really is. I believe the design of God is for every person to experience the born-again experience. 
I'm not going to sit here and try to size up why they can't, you know, the obstacles or whatever the case is. I remember getting the report, oh, it's probably been 25 years ago. We got a report from Missoula, Montana. And they were having a small little revival meeting up there. And I remember Brother Van Deveter was the pastor at the time. <clears throat> and, and the report got back on a Monday morning that they had a person come to their church that could not speak. And I, is it deaf? Is that what that means when, they're, when they can't speak? Dumb, deaf and dumb. Well, the person couldn't speak, could not speak any words. And that person went down to an altar, and after people laying hands on that person, began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. Now, what do you do with a report like that? See, that's what God can do. He can take something that mankind, you know, I have not here heard, neither ear heard, or eye has not seen, ear has not heard, either has entered into the heart the things that God has in store for them. But God has revealed them to us by His Spirit. See, the Spirit of God can do anything. And you and I, because we're brand new, we have to get back to that simple fact that God can do it. He can do it. I don't care what the situation is. God can, can intervene, praise God, and help people come to this understanding. Because I have explained this to many, many people, and that one of the first things that will come, or not one of the first things, but sometimes one of the first things that will come up is the opposition. Well, what about this? Well, what about that? Well, you know, the thing of it is, is what about God? He can do anything. Have you ever heard of Jesus? You know, he raised the dead. And so you and I have to get back to that simple understanding, praise God, because the questions will come. Okay, let's look at a question. Nicodemus saith unto him in verse number four. Remember the comment. Jesus just went right to the right to the, the to the to the crux of the matter. A man must, except a man, be born again. That doesn't leave any option, by the way. Okay? And so here's Nicodemus, and here's the question. Well, how? How does this happen? You know? And of course, here's the human reasoning. You know, because Nicodemus was well aware of the natural birth. And again, a lot of what this scripture is referring to, especially in the New Testament, it's referring to spiritual things. This is what we must understand. In fact, the Bible in places uses the word mystery, which the word mystery comes from a Greek word mysterion, which means hidden truth. And Jesus even alluded to the fact that even in some of his parables, that's exactly what he was doing. You know? And he, and he commended his apostles. He said, blessed are your ears, blessed are your eyes, for you see this stuff. You know, it's God in heaven that reveals these things. God knows the temperature of your heart right now. You see, and that's what he does. He's almighty. He is, he, the Bible says he doesn't counsel with anybody. He counsels with himself. And so this is what he's done. Now, I'm not going to stand up here and tell you that I've got that all figured out, but that's the God that I serve. That's the one that I'm going to have faith and believe in, okay? And so Nicodemus comes up with, 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 with his rendition of it. How, do, how does this happen? Do I enter the second diamond in my mother's womb? And we understand that's, you know, that's, that's impossible to do. And Jesus, again, further explanation. You know, in verse number five, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born of the water and of the spirit, he says he cannot enter into the kingdom of God because he explains in verse number six, that which is born of the flesh is flesh and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. So he's differentiating between the two. The Bible says that you can look this up later, but I've got scriptures that are coming into my head and I'm just going to hand some of these to you. In the eighth chapter of the book of Romans, it talks about the fact that the carnal mind, you know, is enmity with God. 
And so you and I were born into a world, we were born with an idea that we have something that opposes the things of God. That's why we need his help. That's why God gives us his help, because he understands that we need this overcoming um, issue in our lives. A lot of what, in my opinion, this is just my opinion, but a lot of what we have blamed the devil for is really our own fault. It's something that we conjure up. It's our own thinking that gets in the way. And you have to understand that with God, you and I, we can overcome this kind of thinking. How many, you know, since you've got the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you can lift up your hand right now and say, God has showed me some things in the scripture that I never saw before. Now, come on, that's exactly what he does. This is what we're talking about here. We're talking about God who, who, who doesn't bring a plan to fruition that, that, that any and everybody can't get involved in. And so here we are, you know, he's talking about the fact that that, um, um, that Nicodemus is questioning this because in verse number say, say, seven, Jesus is saying, marvel not that I said unto you, you must be born again, you know? And then he gives an example. He says, the wind bloweth where it listeth and thou hearest the sound thereof and canst not tell whether it, it cometh and whither it goes. So it is everyone that is born of the spirit. He says, you don't know where that wind comes from. You don't have that all figured out. And that's just something in the natural realm. He said, this is the same way that it is in the spiritual realm. And that's why faith is such an important thing. The Bible says, um, you know, we, we talked about 2 Corinthians 5. If, you'd have, if we'd have started a little bit early, I think around earlier in verse number seven, the Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight. This is what God, you know, uh, this is the direction that God has sent us. And then we already know that the scripture tells us that God has given to every person the measure of faith. You and I have enough to get started. We have enough faith to believe in God. We really do. I wish I had it for you right now. But Brother Bernard, he gets on Facebook from time to time, and he's covering a, a multitude of subjects. Did you, get, did you read that little quote that he had this, this past week? My wife read it to me. I could not even try to quote that to you. Did you, see, did you hear that, the words that he was using? You know how that, you know, people who are atheistic, naturalism, whatever. And I'm going, whoa. That's amazing. If you ever find it, it's, it's, it's just something. It really is. And he's, he's just trying to help people understand that, you know, you, you know, it's ridiculous that you really believe that way. And he's not putting people down. He's just saying it's not e that's not even true what you believe. And so you and I, we've entered into a world where God, who is true to us, praise God, and he wants to help us to experience these things, and he does this via his spirit, because the spirit is able. Come on, you've got to understand that. You've got to get that down sometimes, that the spirit of God is able to do things. In fact, the Bible says that he is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. Can you say amen? That's what God can do in Jesus' name. And so, again, when we talk about being born again, you know, that's the answer. That's the answer. Experience this. Come in and allow God to do for you what he has already done for me. And I'm going to tell you something. A lot of your questions, in my opinion, will get answered. Just simply that way. God's spirit is able to explain things. Praise God. It's better to explain. He, he can explain things better than Forrest's mom. I'm just telling you. Praise God. 
But why do we have such a hard time with this? Why? And I'm not asking you to answer that question. I'm asking you to think about that. Why are you having so many issues about some of the things that God wants to do for you in the Spirit? Why is that? And I'm not here to accuse you. I'm not here to pull you out and, and make a spectacle of you. I'm just saying, with a lesson like this, let's consider it. Come on, what's going on in our minds? Why, why can't God come in freely with his spirit and begin to show us things and begin to explain things to us? That's a question that you and I should answer. Come on, because I'm telling you, God can do that in Jesus' name. You know, the Bible says in verse number 10, here's Jesus, and he's talking to someone who's a very important person in the nation of Israel. And he answers and says unto him, Art thou a master in Israel? You know? And because Nicodemus, I'm sorry, in verse number 9, he asked the question, how can these things be? How can this happen? You know, and Jesus said, you know, art thou a master of Israel and knowest not these things? And so, you know, verily, verily, he says in verse number 11, I say unto thee, we speak that we do know and testify that we have seen, and you and ye receive not our witness. Basically, what Jesus is saying here, it's all around you, Nicodemus. And that's one of the things that, that's, that's been a tremendous, tremendous thing, especially since I've come into the church. That's one of the things I've noticed, that God is not hiding this stuff. I mean, this stuff is happening all over the place. People are receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. People are being changed, praise God, right before their eyes. Amen. And so again, I ask the question, why is it so hard for us? Why is that? Yeah, God help us with that because I believe that God does want to make some of these things a little, little bit easier for us in Jesus' name. Now let me move on here. I'm not going to go through all of this that you have in your devotionals, but I want to hit a spot here, okay? The scripture says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, we speak that which we know in verse 11 and testify that which we have seen, and you receive not our witness. What's he saying? Come on, what's he saying there? He's saying, it's happening all around you, but you're not receiving the witness. That's why I want to stop right here, and I want to pray for every one of us right now, that God will help us to have eyes that will see what's going on right around us, right now, right now, in the name of Jesus. And I believe that God can help us. Come on, His Holy Ghost is in this place. Those of you that are sitting at home right now, why don't you join us by just lifting up your hands and asking the Lord to take the scales from your eyes. Come on, this is not a bad thing. This is what God wants to do. Not by might, not by power, but by thy spirit. That was what, that was, what was prophesied in the book of, 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 of Zechariah. Come on, this is where we're living at right now. Oh, in the name of Jesus, touch every person, Lord God. I, Lord God, I believe that. I believe right here tonight, you are performing a miracle. You said that if every, any person be in Christ, they are a new creature. Woo! Oh, yes, right now in the name of Jesus, touch our hearts, renew our minds, let our hearts receive these things, Lord Jesus. Oh, in the name of Jesus, hallelujah, 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 Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Come on. Can you sense that? 
That's a God that loves you. That's a God that wants to favor you. Praise God. That's a God that, that purposely came down here so that all things would become brand new. That's what God did for us. And he did it through the born-again experience, folks. And sometimes we minimize, minimize this. We want people to, to press on and live right and do all kinds of things before they actually really have an experience of being born again. This is where it begins, praise God. Oh, hallelujah. If any person be in Christ, they are a new creature. You're not, and I'm not going to be in Christ any other way but being born again of the water and of the Spirit. And of course, we understand that's transposed onto being baptized in Jesus' name by full immersion and receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Repentance is already something that God is leading every person in this world towards. The goodness of the Lord leads people to repentance. And it doesn't make any difference where they're at. And that's what's happening already a lot of time, well, I, I believe all the time before they come here. That God is leading people in that pathway. Praise God, I am a sinner. I don't have this all down. Whatever it is, however it's transposed into that person's life, praise God, God is doing that right now. He does that without your permission. In my opinion, he does that. He does that automatically to every person in this world. He's dealing with people that way. Amen. And then when they come in here or when they come to an apostolic church, Bible study, wherever the case is where the word is being preached, then they can get further instructions. They can understand that their past can completely be wiped out. They can start over brand new. They can have a second chance at life. Hallelujah. Isn't that great? Come on, that's what God does for us in Jesus' name. And so Jesus went on to say, he said in verse 12, he says, If I have told you earthly things and you believe not, how shall ye believe if I tell you heavenly things? There it is. You know, it says that no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. And look at this example he gives. I don't know if you've ever seen this in the Old Testament. You can find this in the 21st chapter of the book of Numbers. This is where this actually happened. And he looked at this, and he gave, he gave an example of an Old Testament um, um, a situation that actually happened because that's who he's testifying to right there. You know, Nicodemus, he's Old Testament. He believes the scriptures, you know, that type of thing. And he says, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Here's Jesus again, telling him exactly what's going to happen. Now, I don't know if you're aware of what happened in the 21st chapter of the book of Numbers. I won't go into it in depth, but it was a time when the nation of Israel kind of ticked God off. Bible says because the way became a little bit hard for them, they began to murmur. Can anybody be honest tonight and say, yeah, the way gets a little hard for us, what do we do? We start complaining. We look for somebody to point the finger to. We look for somebody to blame. That's exactly what they did. Now, you've got to understand, God knows what he's doing, so that's what he did. But he unleashed, literally unleashed, read the story for yourself, fiery serpents. And everybody that got bit by those, those fiery serpents, they began to die. But you've got to understand, God's got mercy, doesn't he? And every one of us have felt the mercy of God. I'm telling you something, God's mercy is another one of those things that you've got to come to an apostolic church to really fully understand how it works. Because his mercy is automatic out there. That's what he's doing right now. And I've always used the simple rendition of mercy is when God doesn't give us what we deserve. That's God's mercy at work every day in our life. 
you know. And so this is what God did in, in, in the book of Numbers. The Bible says he instructed Moses to construct a brass servant, serpent. You know, in fact, I think in some places in the medical field, they actually use that, you know, that, that, that image or whatever it is. But he said, he said, what I want you to do, Moses, is, is make that, 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 that brazen serpent, and then I want you to put it on a pole, and I want you to lift it up. And if people will look on that, I will begin to heal them. And this is why Calvary is so important. You know, we spent about two or three weeks, you know, um, talking about Calvary and some of the events that, that surrounded and that type of thing. And, and one of the reasons we do that is we don't want to ever forget that. We don't want to forget what God has done. You know, again, I made the point, or we made the point that, that he did it right out in the open. He didn't hide this. This was done right out where everybody could see it. The whole world knew what was happening. The crucifixion of Jesus Christ was something that, that, caught, that caught everybody's ear. Praise God. Why was that? Because God intended for that to be known. Amen. And so this is what happens a lot of times when we come to God is we begin to see what he has already done. And that's why Jesus made reference to this. He said, as, as Moses lift up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, and that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. And whenever you see the word S-H-O-U-L-D in the King James Version Bible, it, usually what it's doing is it's telling you what God has intended. Because the next verse is one of those famous words, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him, say it again. Yeah, that's the intention of God, by the way. But unfortunately, that doesn't happen because people are left to themselves to make the choice that they want to make, just like you are. When God filled you with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, helped you to be born again, somebody say amen. He didn't take away your free will. That is something that has to come out every day, and we have to submit our will to his will. That's what God wants to do. And so the born-again experience is a tremendous one. You know, read the rest of the way you do. If you read your, your devotional, you'll find out that this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world, but people didn't like that. And so there it is. I think sometimes that's our case. Maybe there's something that God wants to do in our life that we just don't like. And boy, we need God's help to get over that. Because he knows best, doesn't he? He always knows best. That's God. And so you and I must trust him. And that relationship needs to go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And you know something? It can. It absolutely can. Now, just like Nicodemus, let me just, uh, 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 you know, put a little comma here. But uh, just like Nicodemus, we all have questions. And questions are not a bad thing. But it's where do we go to get those things answered, praise God. And so this is, this is the thing, that, 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 that God is a, full, full, a fully disclosing God. That's what he does. And he wants to do that for each and every one of us, praise God. And so the next time you feel yourself kind of wavering that type of thing, you know, go to the Lord. Ask the Lord about these things. And I'm going to tell you something. There will be some tremendous insights that God will give. Let me give you an example of this, okay? Look at the 10th chapter of the book of Acts. I do a little teaching from time to time on this um, uh, aspect of Scripture. 
and, and again, I'm, th these are uh, resources that, I, that everybody knows. I mean, all of us have, uh, in this room, no doubtably have heard of a man named Cornelius. And the scripture refers to him as a devout man, as somebody who, who already had somewhat of a relationship with God. And so look at the two bookends tonight. Look at a Nicodemus who's struggling to go on. He's religious. He's got faith in what he's already been doing. And God is coming into his life trying to tell him and trying to help him to understand there's different things that can happen here. And I believe that every person in this room is probably at a crossroads like that. Now, I'm not talking about different doctrine because the scripture is a scripture. But I'm talking about maybe sometimes methods in which God deals with us. Well, here's another end of this. Here's a man who was seeking God. He knew how to pray. He believed in him, you know. And I believe there's a lot of Nicodemuses out there and there's a lot of Corneliuses out there. There are people who have questions, people who are looking for what's really going on. And someone like you can come, like me, and we can come and we can help them understand that God is, is, is brought in a whole different experience, praise God. And, and, and we can begin to, to help people understand that this is where God wants them to go. Amen. And so we see that um, in verse number 2 of the 10th chapter of Acts, that he was a devout man, one that feared God with all of his house, which gave much alms to people and prayed to God always. Here's a man who's seeking the Lord. And I got a feeling there's a fair amount of those kind of people out there in that world. Just like this. Amen. And so the scripture says that an angel comes to him. <clears throat> And basically gives him some, what I would consider, and I use this in a teaching like this, simple instructions. And I believe this is how God a lot of times will deal with people who really love him, who are really seeking him. God doesn't beat around the bush. Basically what God will do is, hey, if you'll do this, do this. And if you find out, or you study this, because we don't have the time tonight to go into the entire story, but read it for yourself. The entire 10th chapter is a very encouraging, uplifting chapter. And I've seen that happen many times in my experience with God. I've seen people seeking the Lord that came into a place like this or came into a Bible study or whatever the case is, and God did the same thing for them that he did for, for, for Cornelius. Fill them with the Holy Ghost. And so, but what you will find <clears throat> is you will find that immediately. He doesn't wait for a couple of weeks. He doesn't wait for a couple of days. He immediately sends to Joppa and says, get this guy, Peter or Simon, and bring him here. This is what the angel told me to do, and this is what we're going to do. He's going to tell me what to do. And so there's anticipation in the house of Cornelius. And one of the reasons there's anticipation, do you want to know why the big reason is? Because he obeyed. It was just that simple. He didn't have to go to Bible college for six years to try to figure this out. He didn't have to read his Bible through once. All he did was obey what the angel said. And that brought anticipation. But unbeknownst to Cornelius, there's another episode going on. Now this is what I'm talking about. This is what the Holy Ghost can do. And here's Peter, man. He's stuck in a rut. He's stuck in, in traditionalism. He's stuck in the fact that, you know, this is probably just for the Jews. Nobody else is going to be, you know, be a beneficiary here. And so here he is. But God is, 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 you know, I don't know if it's exactly at the same time or not, but he's showing Peter that, hey, I'm changing things, Peter. 
And you understand, and that's why you got to read the, the situation. Heaven opens, here's all these unclean animals. And Peter, he already knows the protocol. Oh God, I don't do that. And then God begins to change his mindset. Don't you call that what I've cleansed unclean. Whoa, what a concept. Praise God. And so here you got, you got these two cultures that are going to crash. They're going to come to an intersection, and God knew this was going to happen. And folks, this is via the Holy Ghost, praise God. Never forget this. And so the Bible says the message that Peter was to get, you can find in the middle of this chapter, verse 15, I think it is, the, the voice spoke to him actually three times. It says, you know, what God has cleansed, that call not thou common or unclean. That's what the word means. And so, Peter, you've got to change the way you look at things. And that's a lot of times what you and I have to do, in a nutshell. We have to change the way we look at things. Come on, if, if any man be in Christ, what are they? Come on, you have the ability to do this. And it wasn't something that you came up with. It's something that God gave to you through His, through his Spirit, praise God. Eye has not seen, neither ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things that God has in store for them. But God has revealed them unto us by His Spirit. Can somebody say amen? amen. Come on, this is what God is doing in this hour. Come on, he's changing people's lives. He's changing people's minds. That's what he's doing. He's already at work out there in Gillette, Wyoming. Right now, changing people's minds. And so we see that happen, praise God. <clears throat> of course, in verse number 17, we see that Peter doubts. He doubts. And so, you know, you come in and I come by this honestly. But the scripture says that Peter, even though he doubted, he went with him. And that's what I'm challenging somebody with right now. Come on, when doubt, not if, when doubt comes, why don't you just complete the project? Why don't you just do what God has already told you to do in the name of Jesus and see what happens in the name of Jesus. That's what this salvation is all about. Amen. It's not like eradicating all the problems of our life, but what it's all about is following the Spirit, realizing that God has a way that, praise God, is not always going to compute with me. And so this is what you have. And so Peter ends up going. And let me take you to the intersection. The Scripture says that Peter finally comes to Cornelius' house, which is a Jewish no-no. He's not supposed to be there. He's not even supposed to entertain this kind of thinking. But Peter comes. Cornelius is there, and the scripture says that Cornelius, you know, he rehearses. He says, you know, Pete, this is what happened. He said, I know you're going to have a hard time with this, but man, I was praying the other day about the ninth hour, three o'clock in the afternoon. All of a sudden, this angel appears, and this angel begins to talk to me, and he says to send for you. And, and, and the scripture says in verse 33, that's what I wanted you to understand. This is what got anticipation in Cornelius' house, because he said immediately, he said, therefore I sent unto thee. You know, one of the things that the Spirit is really prompting us to do, folks, I'll just take a side note here, is the Spirit is really prompting us to be more spontaneous. To do it. To say it. If it's of God, come on. It's a seed. It'll, it'll, the Bible says the Word of God will not return void. And so think about it. And so here's finally his speech, is, or Cornelius' speech is ended, and he says, hey, we're here to hear everything. Whatever you got, Pete, let us know. Give it to us. And what a, what a position to be in. 
And here's Peter. He opens up his mouth in verse 34, and here's his eyes getting open. You want to talk about scales coming from people's eyes? Right here is an example of that. Peter says of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. Wow. He says that in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted of him. Now that doesn't mean the person is saved at that point. It just means that a person is moving into a place where they can receive biblical salvation. That's what that's talking about. It's talking about a, a somebody like a Nicodemus. It's talking about a Cornelius. It's talking about people that can do that. And the, and the Bible says that, that Peter began to preach Jesus Christ. In verse 30 it says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with what? What did God anoint the man Christ Jesus with? The Holy Ghost. Come on, what do you think you're going to be anointed with? That's what I'm talking about. That's why the born-again experience is powerful. And so the scripture says that Peter begins to tell him, not only with, with the Holy Ghost and, and with power, but he went about doing good, healing all those that were oppressed of the devil. And the scripture says it finally says in verse 44, while Peter yet spake these words, what happened? The Holy Ghost fell on those people. This is what I'm talking about. This is the thing that you and I sometimes, you know, we, we put to too much of the back burner. Praise God. I mean, you think about, you know, the life-changing things that took place for this intersection to even take place. Yeah. And you and I are living in the same world today. We got all kinds of issues out here. Listen to me. I'm not going to sit here tonight and tell you I, I have even uh, uh, <clears throat> a, a little bit of the answers. But I know the one that does. And that's why we have to go back to the fact that salvation begins, praise God, with a born-again experience. And we know that God has this experience for everybody. I don't care who they are. I don't care where they've been. It doesn't make any difference. And I believe that you and I need to, be, need to start exercising these things in Jesus' name. Let, let, me just, let me just conclude with this, and I'm going over a little bit here tonight, but he was brass, and, the, and it says here in the story, most every time he would start to speak, some of his, the people around him would cringe. His impulsiveness had been on display several times in their short time together. Knowing the type of man he had been, it is miraculous to see the man that he became. <clears throat> Who am I talking about? Well, his name is Simon Peter. And he was quite the character during the three and a half years that he spent with Jesus and the other disciples. One minute, he could be sociable and engaging, and the next, he was almost repulsive in his mannerisms and speech. He vowed to follow Jesus to the death, only to deny him three times within a few hours. And in a moment of angry frustration, Peter drew a sword and tried to cut off the head of somebody. Yeah. Well, how does a man like Peter become the dynamic anointed preacher who preached the greatest message of all time on the day of Pentecost? Well, it's quite simple. Peter was born again. Peter was in the upper room when the Holy Ghost fell. Peter began a lifestyle where all things become new. That's where it begins. We can criticize him. We can try to rake him over the coals. But I'm going to tell you something. Because of his born-again experience, God turned that man into one of the greatest evangelists this world has ever seen. Anybody interested in a job like that? 
Come on, I believe that God wants to turn things in your life, praise God, into brand new opportunities. Let's stand tonight. Let's pray. Let's ask God that these portraits of salvation that we've been going through, things like the blood, things like I was lost but now I'm found, things like I've, I've, I've experienced the resurrection through the baptism of the Holy Ghost, these are all things that God has gifted to you and I. What do you say we make a commitment? How about you folks at home tonight? Why don't you make a commitment to the Lord that I'm going to pursue these things. <clears throat> I'm going to give them a whole lot more room in my life. Yes, Praise Jesus. God. That's what I'm going to do yes, in the name Jesus. of Jesus. Yes, 